Welcome back to Better Podcasting Chats with SP. Thanks everyone for the warm welcome on the return of Better Podcasting content. Steven and I continue to text and message almost every day. I can tell you that he is itching to get back behind the microphone again, and we still do plan to return with the Better Podcasting main show, but we still don't have a timetable or even know what that looks like yet, so stay tuned. Steven and I continue to work to put this show on the Better Podcasting website, and as soon as it is, I'll let you know. In the meantime, the show is called Better Podcasting Chats with SP, and if it's not available on the podcatcher you used to listen to podcasts on, please let me know and I will make an extra effort to submit it there. Although I will tell you, I did spend a great amount of time this past weekend to submit it to most of the main places podcasts are distributed to. And although Pandora in particular said it might be as long as four weeks to get approved, it should be available just about everywhere else. But if it's not, please let me know. Also, if you want to schedule a time to chat with me about your podcasting experience and your podcast, please send me an email, stargatepioneer at guineageek.com or a DM if you're on the same platform I am and we'll arrange a time to have you on. I know many of you would love to have your say on podcasting and this would be your chance to join me for a chat on whatever podcasting subject you want within reason. This is a clean show, folks, but I would love to have you on. So as for this week, I am joined by somebody who has been podcasting longer than I have. Chris Farrell from the Gunna Geek Network volunteered to join me tonight to discuss a variety of podcasting topics from his experiences with a podcast that is approaching 500 episodes with all things good and nerdy to some behind the scenes of having to deal with me as a co-host and a producer. Chris has a stint in his past as a solo podcaster and has been a part of or produced at least a half a dozen podcasts over the course of what 12 years chris is one of the founder members of the guinea geek network and somebody i consider to be a friend but we'll see about that after tonight welcome to the show chris hey thanks for having me sp i mean i've been doing this hobby for a little over a decade now and consuming podcasts for god since i was in college at least i remember i would load up my uh and even have an iPod for it. So it was a pain in the butt. I loaded individual MP3 files to like a SanDisk MP3 player so I could listen to MP3 podcasts on my way to and from class. Do you know what year that was? Uh, so some of that stuff was like 2001, 2000, no, excuse me, 2003 or four. I think is when I first started doing that because I got that MP3 player when I left for school. My dad gave it to me. He's like, here, load it up with music. And I loaded it up with podcasts. <laughs> What kind of podcast did you listen to back then? So back then, and I think I've talked about it before on ATGN and I think on Gunna Geek, I was a really, really big fan back in that time of Leo Laporte and a lot of the This Week in Tech content. I don't really consume much of it anymore. We won't get into any of the reasons on that why, but I really enjoyed that. And I will honestly say that Leo, to an extent, and Kevin Smith were a lot of my earlier inspirations for like, man, this is fun stuff. These people look like they're having fun. and. Kevin Smith, to an extent, was always like, man, this is the easiest hobby ever. Just get a mic and start speaking. I mean, yes and no. It's a good it's a good way to motivate people to try, but it's not as simple as just talk for 50 minutes on a microphone and call it a day. So not only have you been podcasting longer than I have, you've been listening to podcasts longer than I have because I distinctly remember, and I could be off, but I think it was 2007. I got an iPod for my Valentine's Day present. 
and I loaded it with music at the time because I'm like, hey, this is cool. This is better than wearing a CD as I'm out like mowing the lawn or something like that. But then I was like, what is this thing called podcast? I hear a lot about podcasts and I started listening to podcasts. Most of them were like radio shows or TV shows that were yep. turned into podcasts at the time, like Mike and Mike on ESPN, for example. But then I was like, hey, there's got to be a podcast about this show I like called Battlestar Galactica. And then and once I sure started was. delving into that, that's what drove me eventually into podcasting. So was All Things Good and Nerdy your first podcast? It was the first podcast I ever did. And I, I guess I should caveat and say it wasn't originally a podcast. The audio component was kind of a secondary thing. So for those that aren't aware, in April of 2012, so a little over 10 years ago, All Things Good and Nerdy first streamed. And what it was, was I had a friend who I'd gone to school with, who was literally my next door neighbor freshman year, who uh, on the stream was known as the Adahe. He had a gaming channel on Twitch where he did a lot of Minecraft builds and things like that, because Minecraft was all the rage back then and still is, but not as much as it was then. And he wanted to do something on Sundays to kind of break things up. He's like, hey, you want to come and talk nerdy things? Maybe we just have like a weekly show. And it turned into, well, if we're going to put this on Twitch, why don't we just at least rip the audio out? Because I was used to folks like Leo and Justin Robert Young, Brian Brushwood and folks like that. And Scott Johnson, who do video shows and then put the audio component up on iTunes or a separate video one, you could subscribe to audio or video feeds. And I was like, if we're doing it in video already, why don't we do audio? So it started out as a Twitch live show with myself, the Adahe, who's my friend, Josh. I don't know if we ever used his real name on stream. We will hear. He'll never notice. And uh, Naki, Jessica Naki, who that's her stage name for everything. But who, strangely enough, this is another Battlestar Galactica connection. I'm pretty sure Naki and I had talked about this. But at one point in time, I used to have a blog where I talked about geeky and nerdy things. It was kind of a creative writing exercise and a way to do things. And at one point in time, we had exchanged comments on blogs because we were talking about Battlestar Galactica. And it kind of just exchanged to an interesting back and forth between the two of us just talking about geeky things. And I was like, hey, we kind of need a different voice out there that's not just two dudes talking about geeky things. I was like, I should reach out to Naki. Maybe she'd be interested and doing this whole podcast thing. And, and that's how Naki came on board for our very first episode was that she was like, oh, okay, that could be kind of fun. And I mean, it was a train wreck, of course. Almost everyone's first podcast episode is. I'm there on a USB headset that wasn't working properly. We had all sorts of weird issues getting the Skype frames to embed properly. And I think it was OBS that was going out to Twitch. It was a terrible, terrible nightmare, but it was fun. And it lit that spark for, hey, let's have fun with this. And the show has completely evolved since that point where it was just we didn't know what the hell we were doing we sat down and we talked about bs for two hours to eventually we streamlined things we started getting segments and i'm the only one of those original hosts left i mean we even we even ditched one of the one of our shticks for lack of a better term that we had which was it used to be we had a different guest host each week which was awesome because we got to meet a lot of people in podcasting it's how i met michelle to begin with it's how i met cody goff to begin with was doing all things good and nerdy because they were one of our weekly guests that came in from time to time to talk about stuff. So how did you, you mentioned you got your show better over time and you created segments. How did you run into those creative spots of producing a new segment as your show was getting better? So honestly, some of it was, Hey, let's throw out some ideas in group chat and stuff and see if we have any ideas for what we want to do. 
we very early on had the idea of, hey, we want to have a news of the week. Every person brings one thing to the table. They say, hey, here's the big news I want to talk about. So we can guarantee that everyone has a chance to talk about at least one subject that they're really passionate about that happened in that last period of time. And we wanted to wrap the show up, and we still do it this way, with a little segment called What I'm Into, which was our chance for our panel and our chat room to share what kind of TV shows or video games or podcasts or any of those geeky things we've been consuming since the last show aired to share it with other folks and oftentimes bring some attention to maybe a smaller comic or a book that people may not have heard of that they hear about and go, oh, that sounds really interesting. So those were the early on things. And I fully admit that kind of came from me listening to and watching other geeky podcasts out there. And while people may not have done segments specifically on that, it sort of made sense to break them off into things. And those are two things we still do to this day. And then other things were, let's just try something fun and see if it works. And we've done a couple of things that have only been on like one or two episodes because we tried it a couple of times. Went, oh, no. Like one of them was an improv gag or an improv setup thing, which was a lot of fun, but it's not fun for people that don't like doing improv or for trying to think on their feet and come up with random responses and spin random stories and stuff like that. So we kind of threw that one out. I actually wrote down some notes before we sat down to record this of some segments we'd done before, specifically some retired ones and where I got them from. And I think I'll talk about two of them. The first one, just because it makes me laugh, the title makes it sound far racier than it actually is. We had a little segment called Porn or Pony. Now, I don't remember if you remember this one, SP, but for the better podcast listeners, I wish I could say this was my original idea. It absolutely was not. I ripped it off from a radio station in the town I went to college in. Every Thursday night or Friday night, I think it was, on their 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock block, they would do, um, can't even remember what the name of the block was, but they would do a segment called Porn or Pony because they came to this realization that, holy crap, porn star names and my little pony names all sound very similar. Let's turn this into a game. And they would bring people into studio each week to play Porn or Pony. And one of my friends was brought into studio to play it. And it was just absolutely hilarious to me. So that kind of gave us the idea, but there's kind of an end limit on that game. You can only go so far. Yes, there's a lot of My Little Pony stuff out there. Yes, there's a lot of porn star names out there, but eventually you kind of just start rehashing and retreading things so it reaches a natural conclusion. I thought it was a ton of fun. People who were in the chat room thought it was fun and we would get in arguments about why this is that name and not that name. We certainly probably earned our explicit tag, not necessarily because of anything we were saying, but just the fact that we were delving into porn stars and their names. Probably. I think that would be the case now. You know, I watch a lot of sailing YouTube channels. And one thing that a lot of them have been complaining about lately is being demonetized for certain mm-hmm. things. Like one of the channels that I watch was demonetized because they dove on a drug boat and they referenced the name of the drug runner and so they were demonetized for that and they were like well no we're not promoting drugs we're just like diving on this wreck of a plane that used to be used by a drug runner and they were like okay we get it but you're still demonetized for x amount of days they had the same issue with facebook and also if you show too much skin with the girls and skimpy bikinis, that sort of stuff, they will demonetize you for that because of over-sexualization of, of women yep. and stuff like that. So yeah, I, it's an issue and I could see needing to up the 
rating of the podcast or the show on YouTube, or I don't know, even know how Twitch does it. I could see that just by saying the word porn. And I'm hoping I'm not going to be demonetized for that. But yeah, it's an issue. And I even know that Apple has been de-certifying, if that's a word, de-CEOing or whatever. They've been hiding casts that are sex-friendly or adult-friendly on their platform as well. So you can't find, unless you're a really big name, you can't find it anymore as you're searching for it. So, I mean, so that was one of the segments, and I fully admit, point blank ripped it off from a radio station because I thought it'd be a fun game to play with my friends on a podcast on the internet. I guess I'll mention two more. I said I was going to mention one. Another one, when Steven listens to this, he's going to laugh. We had a segment called Clever Cosplay on all things good and nerdy. There was another podcast at the time that Steven was doing called The Fanboy Buzz, where they talked about comics and stuff. They had a segment called Cocky Cosplay that may have premiered like a month before our segment happened. (laughs) But they were very similar in the fact that you would take fan pictures of cosplays and you would kind of rank and review them. And I I kind of put our own twist on it where I was taking cosplays that I think were purposely bad because there are some people that purposely do like, I'm going to do the really bad Wolverine where I tape three forks to my knuckles and stuff like that. So the whole concept for us at least after I took it from fanboy buzz and twisted it. And Steven knows I did this. I even talked about it when I guessed it on fanboy buzz at one point in time was that I wanted to take the purposely bad ones. So I didn't feel like we were beaten up on someone who was making their best effort as a cosplay and it just didn't turn out well, but for their budget or for their skills, that was the best they could do. Cause I didn't want to punch down. And I think that's one of the things I realized as we were doing it is it's tough to tell on some of these, whether it's purposely bad or not. And I felt like we were punching down a few times. And I didn't want to do that. And I think it was even Suncast brought it up at one point in time in our chat room that we might have gone a little too far on one of them. And I kind of looked back and looked at it and said, yeah, I don't think we intended to, but I could certainly see where if this was someone who this was their best effort and we weren't sure if it was or not, that it looked like we were making fun of them and beating up on them. And it wasn't necessarily our intent. We wanted to be more like, hey, we're in on the joke that you're trying to do a clever cosplay of something that is done with cheap materials on purpose to kind of pay homage to it or something like that. So that's when we canceled in part because I guess I grew a conscience, but my conscience got the better of me because I felt like we were beaten up on people. And that's never what I wanted to do was to make fun of people. Like I will call someone out if I think they're wrong on something and I'll use blunt language about it, but I didn't want to feel like I was taking someone's passion project and just kind of who went all over it for lack of a better term. Can we take a slight diversion here? Because I know you have some more segments to talk about. Getting that feedback, did it sit better with you because it was from somebody that you know and may call a friend? Yes, absolutely. Because Suncast, we'd gotten to know him already through a variety of things from the Geek Network and things like that. And I trusted his judgment. And it was someone whose judgment I trusted that kind of pointed that out. And I went, oh, yeah. I see where you're coming from there. And it was never my intent, but it goes to show that your intent doesn't always translate over very well when you're doing an audio show or a video show, things like that. And like I said, I didn't want people to think we were trying to punch down and to make fun of people. It was more, we wanted, like I said, wanted to feel like we were in on the gag. And if it wasn't actually a gag and we were trying to pretend like we're in on the gag, then we're punching down. If the same comment had come from somebody that you didn't know, and you might even consider to be a troll with a negative comment about your show. 
you think he would have taken it the same way? So that's a good question. I think at first glance, I wouldn't have accepted it at first glance like I automatically did with Suncast, which was I trust Suncast, so I see his point of view, I can accept it and kind of see how we should do it differently. If it's not someone I know or someone who was trolling in the chat room or something like that, I honestly think my initial thought would be to discount it. But I think you have to take feedback like that, even if it comes from a source that may not be ideal and kind of reflect and look back at it. You may not agree with what they're saying and you may decide at the end, no, I'm comfortable with what we're doing. But if if your audience is telling you you're doing something wrong, I think you need to reflect and see, am I doing something wrong? Especially if your intent is not to hurt anyone. And our intent was never to hurt anyone. And we probably should have made like a public apology on it when we decided to get rid of it. I think I just kind of decided we're going to let this bit die on the vine and we're not going to bring it back. Because, I don't know, I kind of thought about the fact of if I'm the guy that did this cosplay and legitimately did it to the best of my ability and I found this podcast where these guys are making fun of me, I wouldn't be cool with that. And I don't want to be responsible for someone feeling terrible about themselves because they put their heart and heart into something they're passionate about and then a bunch of people made fun of it yeah that would probably get to me too if i was looking for reviews and stuff like that which happened quite a bit on the internet these days especially if you're talking about cosplay that you take to a con or something like that there's usually some sort of review out there whether it's on youtube or podcast or a blog or something like that all right, so was there any other segment that you created that you want to talk about? So it's nothing original or anything like that, but I do want to bring this up because it's become it's kind of morphed into one of my favorite things we do on the show, and we don't do it a ton, but we get some interviews from time to time with different creators, different people who are writing comics, developing Kickstarter projects, developing board games and things like that. And it's fascinating to have them come on the show and talk about whatever it is they're working on, talk about the creative process that goes into it, give their feedback on it. I mean, in, they're there obviously to talk about their Kickstarter project or whatever the project is to get people to support it. So it's a symbiotic relationship. We could ask them cool questions, potentially get some new viewers. They get viewers to then hopefully back their project, but we've gotten to meet some cool people like Sean Pryor is a comic creator. who has gotten into a lot of book writing and stuff. Kids. He's been on our show multiple times, talked about projects he's doing. And then we just went down a random path of Sean used to work at Toys R Us. So he would tell us stories of working in the video game cage at Toys R Us and random weird action figures and stuff they'd happen upon. And it just morphed into, okay, we're talking about this project, which is really neat to now we're just BSing across the table from each other and telling funny stories that kind of relate back to other passions that folks have. So I've kind of enjoyed getting to that. Another guy that comes to mind off the top of my head is David Popose, who, if you're a Marvel comic reader right now, is the current writer of Savage Avengers for Marvel, but he's also written the Spencer and Locke comics. He's written scouts honor and a bunch of other independent projects he's done an incredibly talented writer and we have nothing at all to do with his success it was all on his own but i think it's really cool to be like man i remember talking to david like three years ago when he was hustling to get his first kickstarter out there and be like man this is a really cool project and then three years later you're like man i can't believe that guy did my show he came on the show and came to talk to us about this kind of thing because his star has just gone up so much and like he still chats with us on Twitter and exchanges messages. And I'm sure that next time he has a Kickstarter he's doing or something like that, we'll probably hear from him like, Hey, I'm ready to come back and do the show because he's one of those rare guys that lives on the West coast. We live stream at 11 AM Eastern. He gets up in time to come and BS on our show for 45 minutes at 8 AM on a Sunday after being busy throughout the week and stuff like that. So 
I really appreciate folks like that that want to come spend the time with us. And I appreciate the fact that you get to know these folks. And I'm not going to lie and be like, oh, we're the best of friends or anything like that. But we're casual acquaintances that share stories with each other. And I'm happy to see his success. And I would think that if we're successful, he would be happy to see our success because of the collaborations we've done together. Yeah, there's a couple of actors that I interviewed on Voices of Defiance that I still talk to and DM from time to time. If they show up in a new project or whatever, I'll DM them and say, hey, saw you mm-hmm. there. It's a great performance. And whoever they are, I won't give away secrets on who they are. They'll <laughs> message back, say, hey, I'm glad you enjoyed it. What'd you think about this? And give my honest feedback, but stay positive because, you know, actors, sure. egos are fragile, that sort of thing. Along the lines of Savage Avengers, though, I'm really curious of how he moves forward on the storyline without Conan, because of course Marvel's cut right. their rights with Conan or they let it lapse with Conan. That was a big part of Savage Avengers. And I was thinking to myself and I forgot you, you interviewed him. I was thinking to myself, I wonder how they're going to transform this comic because this series is ongoing. It's going mm-hmm. to continue. They haven't announced it's going to stop. It's one of the more successful Marvel series right now anyway. I was just wondering how it's going to go. If you have a chance to talk to him, just mention that SP over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is interested on how that's going to go. I'm also happy to make an introduction if you want to try and do something with him on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point in time. Since he's writing Marvel comics at this point in time, it seems like kind of a natural fit. That'd be great. See? Yeah. Listener, viewer, this is how things happen. You talk about things with somebody you know, and then you make connections and you go from there. Matter of fact, we do have an upcoming interview on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I will not divulge, but it was made possible by Chris, the other Chris, Waffles, on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., who has the Play Comics podcast. All right, so as far as the segments go, it sounds to me like you've just taken it over time and you've had a lot of time 488 episodes i believe or is it 89? 489 i think we just broadcast this last sunday and i'm in the middle of the edit on right now so i think we're 10 or 11 away from 500 at this point all right so over the course of all those episodes all those years you just continually reinvent the show with new creative things as they come up and you don't stick to the same format as things go on. I mean, your format has roughly been the same, but at least your segments have changed. So the things that stay the same is there's always going to be the news of the week bit where everyone brings something to the table and there's always going to be what I'm into. And there's no guarantee each week that we're going to be able to sprinkle something else in there. We try to do that like every four or five episodes or so, but it doesn't always happen. I mean, we do make some other new stuff. Like just I'll throw one out there. We made an advice segment with Willie Nelson, just based off of a dumb gag that we made. Hold on. Hold on, explain to people who Willie Nelson is, because you just name dropped something, and it, it's <laughs> right. probably not the person that everybody's thinking of. Willie D. Nelson, let me rephrase. So uh, one of the co-hosts on my show, he came on board, and it's actually a really interesting story. Uh, Willie D. Nelson was a fan of Legends Podcast. Wing was one of the podcasters he met through that, consumed a bunch of Legends content, and he heard about us in the Gunna Geek Network through Wing, started participating in our chat room. And at one point in time, started leaving voicemails for us on a weekly basis that we would play. We had him guest host a few times, and we were not having regular guest hosts. And we went, well, maybe we should just have Willie on. And he kind of became part of the family. He's become a podcaster with us for probably 250-plus episodes now of the podcast. He's a regular host now. And we had a gag right now. And with Willie, gags sometimes get racy. He likes to toe the line. There's a reason we have an explicit rating on there. And... 
we made a gag about something and I was, he's like, oh, we should just make an advice bit out of that. So I never told them we were doing this. And I assembled what is purposely one of the worst bits or intro bumpers of all time with like the Microsoft Sam voice and a video that goes along with it with like crappy fake porn music even. And it is the thing I'm most proud of of a bump I've ever made because it's purposely so bad. I find it hilarious. And most people who see it on the show find it hilarious and don't find it just to be poorly produced because it's poorly made, but well-produced if that makes sense. Cause it's kind of by design. So we made a segment that was all about advice from Willie Nelson. And you would think based off of things with Willie, he likes to have fun. He likes to crack jokes and things like that, that we wouldn't take it serious, but no, it's like legitimate, serious advice because while we are, we're all very similar to the regular three hosts we have now, we're three bald white dudes with beards that are in our late thirties or early forties. So there's not much diversity amongst us anymore, which is a separate topic I can talk about later if we want to get into it. But we honestly try hard to give good advice and don't want the segment to be us making fun of things like the cocky cosplay, clever cosplay thing kind of inadvertently turned into. So it's we'll go off of our slash relationship advice on Reddit or we'll ask for questions on the Discord or we'll say, hey, the email address is open. Send in things you want advice on and give legitimate well thought out advice based off of things that have happened in our lives or just suggestion. It has nothing to do with geeky and nerdy things in most cases, but it was kind of a gag that turned into something where, huh? I mean, we're not like experts at anything, but we have life experience. Maybe we can impart some wisdom. I mean, one of the last ones we did was a simple one. It was this guy that was like, I'm 17 years old. I'm a senior in high school. I really like this girl. I want to ask her out to prom and here's my plan. Is this a good idea? I mean, it, it wasn't creepy or anything like that. It was, He was like, I want to get this kind of flower. I want to ask her this time. I want to take her to dinner at this kind of place, things like that. And it was a well thought out thing. And it was more like, good for you, dude. You're being incredibly respectful the way you're doing it. And I think it was just the guy had good ideas and we added a couple good advice things. Now he'll probably never see it. I think I posted something on Reddit and be like, hey, we addressed it on our show. He'll probably never see it. But the thought was, there's other people who consume the show who may be in a similar situation. Maybe it helps, or maybe they send in a message next time. We have had listeners of the show and viewers in our discord send us stuff before. and We've left it completely anonymous. The only person who knew who they were was me because the other hosts don't see that stuff. But I thought it was interesting, albeit outside of what you would expect from a show called all things good and nerdy. I guess it fits in that all category. <laughs> so you're not a parent. I am a parent. My kids are out of high school and hopefully soon out of college. But this whole asking to prom thing, I mean, when I was in high school, it was like, "Uh, uh, hello, you know, you dial up on the phone, you get the dad, of course, answering the phone and you're like, is Heather there? Can I speak to Cindy? And the dad just knows what's coming. It's prom season and it's whether he's going to mess with the kid or not. (laughs) And then it's like, "Uh, you want to go to prom with me? And they say yes or no. If they say no, it's like, "Ah!" and if they say yes, like, yeah. But now it's a whole production. You have to do this whole thing about a gift and a theme and do something special. It's almost like a proposal now and i'm like oh my gosh i i would not exist in high school today it, it would just be bad i'd be and you got to record it and get it on tiktok or twitter or something like that and you're like oh god there's the public shaming if i screw this up and it ends up on twitter and i'm that dude forever that asked this girl with this elaborate method and she laughed in my face oh my god <laughs> yeah so yeah, i can't imagine 
Yeah, it's a whole other thing. So you mentioned a couple of things here about bumps and video components and stuff like that. I want to get there, but before we get there, let's transition into tech at least for a little bit. Sure. What gear do you use to record your show? Because I have to placate to the audience here at Better <laughs> Podcasting. So the gear I'm using right now is I do a I have a Tascam recorder that's plugged into an auxiliary out on my mixer. I don't remember. It's the DR40, I think, or something like that. It's just got an SD card on it. That That's what I do my backup recordings with. When we are streaming, I am using OBS, the most recent version, with the NDI plugins. And I record every video as we record it. If you watch a live stream, you'll generally see us BS before the show starts. Like, okay, we're transitioning live. And when I make that transition live, I start recording locally. And then the third backup, for lack of a better term, is the video that is saved on Twitch for, what, two, four weeks afterwards. Now, granted, it has all the pre-show BS on it. But in worst case scenario, you can get that video, rip off that pre-show crap, for lack of a better term, and edit and produce it properly. So for my recording methods right now, the primary thing, honestly, is the local video I record. The Tascam recording is my secondary thing if things don't go right. I tend to just like to take the audio out of the video that I record for each episode and then edit that, put it up online for people to consume that way. And then going further into tech, I have a, I don't even remember what my mixer is. <laughs> it's some sort, it's like a Mackie. Yeah, it's a Mackie VLZ4, I think, something it's like that. It's not even a USB one. No, it's not. I have a USB interface on my computer. It was a wicked deal. You actually found it for me on like Facebook Marketplace or something. Like it was a wicked good deal for it. So all I had to do at one point, I had an iMic USB adapter on there. The iMic got fried. They had stopped making it. So I shopped around on Amazon and found like three different USB audio adapters. I bought all three of them for like 15 bucks and it was all said and done. And the first one I tested, I liked the sound results on. So it's some no name brand, probably made for a penny a piece in China shipped here, USB audio adapter that I think I have. Once I found it, I bought two spares and put them in my drawer that I've been using for like six years now. That iMic is the thing that it lasts like two years and then it fried itself. And I was like, yeah. oh crap, I don't know what to do. And of course it fried itself right before a show. So I think I had to go back to my Blue Yeti for a week while I waited to get the right parts in because I didn't have a backup to my iMic because I didn't anticipate it getting fried. So I solved that problem albeit probably too much since I think I have like five USB audio adapters sitting in a drawer next to my desk. <laughs> so you used to use a Blue Yeti. You now use an ElectroVoice RE320, the same microphone that I use actually. Yes. And what? how would you characterize the difference between the two? And would you recommend the Yeti or the ElectroVoice? And there were a few mics in between too. This was just my dream mic for lack of a better term, because there were a bunch of radio shows like listen to, they all use similar mics and stuff like that. And once I heard how I sounded on it, I really liked it. So I think I scooped this deal up as an eBay deal and actually got a relatively decent price. Cause it came with the shock mount and things like that too. So it was pretty much a whole kit. All I had to do was buy the road, uh, podcaster swing arm thing. But I love this much more than the Yeti. I was one of those people and you'll find many of them in podcasting circles when they first start getting started that they hear about the Yeti or the Snowball, and they're like, oh my god, I have to have it. And I am not a Yeti hater, but you have to realize it's a condenser mic, and while you can set it to different audio capture patterns and stuff like that, it's not very forgiving because it's a condenser mic. In my situation, it mostly worked because I recorded out of my basement. It was just me down there, and my dog was sleeping in a bed. There was minimal background noise. Once I took the battery out of a clock I had on the wall down here, 
No joke. The first episode I recorded with that, you could hear the clock ticking in the background. Even though I had like the gain dialed in just right, I was right up on the mic, but somehow that was piercing and clipped right through. I have no idea why. But if you have the right environment, a Blue Yeti is perfectly fine for you. If you don't have the right environment, you're going to spend forever trying to clean up any sorts of background noises and things like that that happen. If your neighbor's dog barks, probably going to get picked up on it. If you have a clock on the wall behind you, going to happen. If you type on the keyboard too hard, going to get picked up. If you have a heavy click on your mouse, going to get picked up. It's why for a long time I had a touchpad anytime I podcasted and I would swap to my touchpad mouse and use that so I could navigate between windows and stuff while we were doing things. It worked all right for me. I had recommended it to a few other people at one point in time because honestly, it was from a point of ignorance. I didn't know any better yet because I hadn't started looking at anything else. It was, hey, this does the job for me. And I'd moved on to uh, an Audio Technica mic at one point in time. I had a Blue Encore dynamic mic, which I love the Blue Encore. Actually, I think it has really good sound too. And that's what I was using until I got this Electro Voice microphone. I loved it. It's still sitting. I rewrapped it in its leather case and it's still sitting on the shelf with its shock mount. So if I want to swap back, I can do it. And it's in my gear bag with my mobile rig if I go anywhere because I can just plug it directly into my recorder and call it a day. It's a great mic. It's just, this was a better mic. And I like the way it looks on camera too, I think is part of why it came into play. It looks really cool on camera, I think. Yeah, the Blue Encore, actually, if you don't use a windscreen on it, it has that beautiful chrome oh, it's gorgeous. guard on it. And it just, it looks good on camera too. But yeah, this looks more like a broadcast microphone. And I guess part of my shift to that was this was me thinking to myself, now I'm not a professional podcaster or anything like this. I'm a hobby podcaster, but this was me like, okay, maybe I'm ready to put myself on that level. I'm not the greatest podcaster out there, but I'm kind of ready to invest in myself and take myself a little more seriously by dropping down that much coin because I bought that. I bought the mixer. I bought all sorts of stuff around the same time as each other. And it was an investment in myself and something I was enjoying. And I, I think part of it, honestly, subconsciously was me being like, okay, I think I'm at a point where I know I like this hobby. I'm enjoying it. I can put the money down and it, it made me feel more established for lack of a term. I don't think I actually was, but that's how it made me feel. If that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. And it's one of the reasons why I think I might've chosen to go the route I did with the DBX 286 with the audio rack and the big Mackie mixer. I had one heck of a Skype at one point in time. I haven't used it in a while just because the tools for, connecting and recording video wise on the internet have gotten so much better. And hopefully in a couple of weeks, I'll have that roadcaster pro two as it's been delayed, you know, shipping and product availability and stuff like that. I think they wanted to have it out this week, but it's, it's not in preparation for that. I started taking out some of the Skeposaurus cords that I no longer use that have been sitting behind my monitors for years. I don't know if I showed you the picture or not, but it was like it overtook my coffee table in my great room. It was so many cords. And, and that's like a third of the cords that are back there. I still need to get rid of a bunch more. The improvement in gear is just phenomenal now versus what it used to be. As far as the microphones go, I don't know if you took a listen or a watch to one of the recent uploads that I had to the Guinea Geek Gear channel. I did an unboxing of a tablet stand. And it was right at, I literally took it from my doorstep. I put it on my coffee table and I recorded myself using my iPhone as a camera. 
I didn't use a microphone. I didn't use a lapel microphone. I didn't use a shotgun microphone. I didn't use any microphone. So it's basically a condenser microphone in an untreated room. What I didn't realize at the time, you're talking about the clock ticking and the, and the Blue Yeti at the time. What I didn't realize at the time was the dog, Cooper, was panting in the background. So yep. as you're listening to the end of that unboxing, you hear this. <laughs> and I tried to get rid of it as much as I could, but you just can't. And that's Cooper panting in the background because we had just taken a walk. It was a relatively hot day mm -hmm. and he was having issues. So if you have any sort of background noise whatsoever, the Blue Yeti, it's a great mic. And one of the reasons why it's a great mic is USB and it's condenser. It's a great all around microphone. It's just not for use for podcasters in general and why we advocate on better podcasting anyway, starting with the Samsung Q2U. Because if you don't want to buy the mixers and the Rodecaster Pros and stuff like that, you can just put that USB into your computer and then use a dynamic microphone and it'll sound a lot better. So one of the things I actually find really fascinating right now is there's a bunch of different vloggers I watch on YouTube. Some of it's like day in life of kind of things or theme park vlogging and things like that. And we as podcasters have a very different, have a very rigid mindset when it comes to our audio. It's incredible to me some of the audio quality these guys get out of just a mic off of a camera. Sometimes it's just their iPhone mic or a Bluetooth microphone that they have clipped to their shirt. It's it's just amazing to me. If you asked me 10 years ago when I first started getting into this, if I thought it'd be possible to get that kind of audio quality while you're in a crowded theme park or in a group of people, I wouldn't have thought it possible. I'd have thought you need stuff like this, but we're getting to the point now where there's kind of a low barrier to entry for good gear out there, especially for on the vlogging side of the house. It fascinates me entirely. Yeah, with the sailing YouTube channels that wonder about that all the time. Like, how do you get such good audio? because I know you don't have as good of microphones as podcasters right. do. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's very reverbish. Sometimes you hear too much of the background. But with the vloggers, they have the video to fall back on so people can understand and have context of why there is other sound there. So kind of drown that out. Round that out. But if you're listening like in your car later, you're like, well, it's a scene setter for one, but if you're just interested in what's going on, I want to hear that. Now, one of the Sailing YouTube channels that I watch, also actually several of them, but one in particular, Sailing Zingaro, they do a podcast or he does a podcast and he's got a bunch of Shure MV7 microphones now. They're great. But one of the problems is he's living on a boat and like one of the podcasts he did, they were working on the boat <laughs> while he was Automatic. podcasting. And even the dynamic MV7V wasn't going to get rid of that. You have to pick and choose what you're doing and also be cognizant of where you're publishing. Like he does publish that as a podcast. It's also a video on YouTube, but he publishes that a podcast. I just don't think he has that podcasting. James is his name. I don't think he has that podcasting mindset. He loves talking to people. He gives great experiences, great interviews of actual sailors out there, cruisers out there that are doing everything. But his level of podcast understanding is good. It's just not that great for the audio because he's used to the YouTube lifestyle. Yeah. All right. So that's what you use to record. Thank you for taking me down that path. You also talked about bumps and the transitions video. Let's go with the bumps. Where do you get your audio for your intro, outro, your bumps, stuff like that? So the intro and outro and stuff like that, I'm like 
many other podcasters out there. And Competech.com, Kevin McLeod does good work. So I'm sure you've heard our intro and outro music and probably many other places. I've been watching stuff on YouTube. I'm like, that's my intro. And I'm like, no, it's not my intro. <laughs> I mean, and I've used some other Creative Commons music. Actually, all of our bumps and stuff are done based off of Creative Commons music, things like that. I haven't invested into buying the rights to certain pieces anywhere yet because I haven't been worried about it being that unique, especially for like a 10 second bumper. I'm not super concerned about it. I've kind of considered maybe do I want to do that for the intro? But at the same time, over the years, I've migrated our intro from at one point being like 45 seconds long to I think our intro for an episode now is like 15, 20 seconds max, just because you know what you're listening to. Let's let's introduce in there and let's get the show started. I haven't been as concerned about wanting to find other music because I'm only using 20 seconds of it. Maybe that's a lazy point of view. I don't know. But well, on better podcasting, this is kind of an infamous thing. We bought our music off upon of five and still love it. Still use it today on better podcasting. Just not on this show. There's no bumpers, no intro or outro on this show. But we learned about a year, maybe two years after we started doing that, that people were saying, yeah, I heard your music, Camping World commercial. So I guess you could say de facto that Better Podcasting is the unofficial podcast of Camping World. Well, I mean, it's funny. Some of that stuff that's like Creative Commons or people can buy a bulk license and things like that. I'll go on a, a brief wrestling tangent here is there was a tag team group in the WWE, the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff Hardy, that had. You hear their music if you're a wrestling fan, you know it. Well, they both left WWE. They're in a competing company now. And when Jeff debuted to come save his brother, they played that music. And everyone's like, holy crap, I thought WWE owned the rights to that. No, you came to find out that it was a CD that you could buy the rights to that was in the Warner Media Library. So they just bought the rights to that CD that had this theme music these guys had used for like a decade in professional wrestling. That's just iconic because it was just, it was music you could buy in bulk basically. And they were talking afterwards, like, yeah, we've heard this on ads for like chilies and Applebee's and a variety of other things, because it's just readily available music. It's not anything custom or fancy that's built just for them. So we, as podcasters have that happen to us all the time. I'm sure where you hear something you associate with a show that you watch or you produce. And then all of a sudden it's on something else or it's on a commercial and you go, what? Oh, right. That's right. Other people can freely use this. It's not actually mine. Calm down, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I've heard segments introduced on other shows. I'm like, yeah, that's our segment bump on Gunna Geek. Right? So it's how things go with Kevin McLeod. I know Stephen and I are trying to get away from just using the free stuff just because there's an extra barrier there. And there is uh, more of a likelihood that because of that extra cost that the bump won't be used in another project. but. Sure. You know, it's always possible. How do you create your video side or your art side, the graphic side? A lot of it's me just screwing around in at one point it was Windows Movie Maker. At another point it was some Corel video program I had. Another time it was me taking uh Photoshop elements to create the elements I needed, then animating them in a video and doing stuff. So I'd say like 90% of the video elements we use are things built by me or have a basis in something that was Creative Commons based that I then added layers and elements to because by the terms of the Creative Commons license, you're allowed to transform that work as long as you cite it, which I do in the credits and stuff like that. It's me just screwing around. At one point in time, I'd gone out in Fiverr and I was underwhelmed with some of the responses I got. 
if you can find the right person on Fiverr to do a job for you, there's some people that have had great success with it. I never, I've done five different Fiverr jobs and only one of them I think I was really happy with in the end. Yeah, unfortunately, if you go with an actual graphic artist, you got to really pay them for your time. So you're talking several hundred dollars just to get a logo out of somebody. We got lucky. Like our logo for ATGN, it was made by a fan. They made it for us. Like our logo before was pretty plain Jane, but it kind of got the point across. And he was like, hey, I'll make a logo for you guys. So he made the logo for us. And it's actually in his portfolio for him advertising himself as a graphic designer is, hey, I made this logo for the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. So, I mean, we both make outlet with like abandoned on it, but I have like the transparent files. I have the Photoshop layers and stuff like that. So I could transform it if I want to. I don't really want to. I might put it on a different background depending on what we're doing, but it was kind of cool. And it was a lucky break for a hobby podcaster to have someone who likes doing this kind of work. I was like, here, I'll make a logo for you. Yeah, I had a friend that did the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast logo, the updated logo after I took mm-hmm. over the show. And I was very thankful for that because the old one really wasn't all that great. But, and I know Wing, so I took over the show from Nightwing and I know Wing did his best and he was very prolific on his podcast creation for a while. And this was one of the things that he just churned out just to get something out there. And if I was doing the same thing today, I'd probably use Canva. But I am looking right now at rebranding legends of shield for reasons that i won't go public with right now but there are reasons in the near future why we probably will need to rebrand that and i've been thinking about going through somebody professional i've approached a couple of people they do want hundreds of dollars i'm fine with that Mm -hmm. because i like their work and i want to pay them for their time and stuff like that but it's just something you gotta come to terms with either you do it yourself or you have somebody do it for you or you pay somebody. It's just how things go. If you're willing to pay for it in a service where it's more than just, and I'm not trying to crap all over Fiverr, but you get what you pay for is more what I'm getting to is if you're paying a designer, say $300 to do a logo for you, there's a lot more back and forth than things like that. Most of these guys with Fiverr, like you get one edit when I turn in what I want because it's lower price and they're busy. And then you can always pay for more if you want. But if the starting thing you get is nowhere near close to what you want, it's not even worth it at that point in time because you can be throwing money at it so if people have had success with that service that's awesome i'm really happy for you it just has never really panned out for me right so let's move on really quick Uh, what media host do you use we use podbean we've been on podbean since we first started we were on podbean before they migrated aws and almost migrated off because before they went to aws it's when they were having like constant outages constant and they were one of the first truly unlimited podcast hosts when i first started doing this 10 years ago it was like 89 bucks a year i think if you paid a year in advance for unlimited hosting and things like that and that's what i used for that i used it for another podcast that i solo ran for a while and then i just let the subscription lapse because nobody was going to want to read or listen to stale tech news that was years old on a podcast that lasted a little over a year so i have copies of the files but they don't need to be online I don't need to pay a hundred bucks a year for it. You should put them on anchor archive or something just for posterity's sake. I thought about it and it might be just a good thing to do. And then I could update the RSS feed where they point to, but I don't know doing that solo podcast. I thought it was a great idea and I had a lot of fun with it, but I burnt out on it and you can tell at the end. So I'm not exactly proud of like the last four or five episodes on that because I was just going through the motions to see if I could work through it to try and 
power through and turn it back into what I envisioned. And I just don't think I realized the level of work that goes into doing like a solo geeky news show. And this show, I will fully admit, was modeled after what Tom Merritt was doing with Daily Tech News Show at the time when it was just him. He's got all sorts of co-hosts that come on from time to time and stuff like that now, but it was just him. And I took a lot of inspiration from that. I was like, hey, I want to do something similar with, with geeky news. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't work my job full time. I couldn't do ATGN and Gunna Geek and Starling Tribune and that all at the same time. And you can see the notes of stuff I wrote up on there. I felt like everything I did was suffering at that point in time because I was spread too thin to dedicate the right amount of time to do any of those things. And while I was sad to let it go, and I wish I had actually done, you know, a proper send off and talk to people or just on Twitter being like, hey, this is ending and here's why. It had to happen because it was just killing my drive to do anything else because I just was so fried. I would come down and at one point I was trying to do it three times a week. I would come down and for like an hour before the Gonna Geek show, I'd record everything and do the video for an episode of this uh, of this news podcast. As soon as we were done recording Gonna Geek, I would jump off the call. I would do the quick edit because it was very lightly edited. I would post it online and just it wasn't sustainable. And I guess that's something I would caution people. Take this from an old grizzled veteran of 10 plus years of podcasting. For, you can make your own jokes about whether that's true or not, folks. Don't spread yourself too thin because it'll take this hobby that you really enjoy and you'll kind of begrudge it and you won't look forward to it anymore. And that was some of what was happening to me. And I'm kind of glad that I ended that one and was able to kind of recapture that passion. And there were a few things that ended about that same time frame that probably helped me properly readjust and start having fun with things again. And it helps that I like a lot of the, I like all the co-hosts I work with and getting to interact with those folks. It's, it's not a chore. It's fun to chat with my friends. And I needed that to bring me back to having fun with it again. What was the name of that show again? What was the name of that show? Um, I could look on the back of the coffee mug over here. <laughs> <laughs> I let the domain name lapse and, um, wow, I should really remember that one second. The question that I had, though, nerd alert news, <laughs> nerd alert news. I don't can't believe Steven's probably yelling at us right now. So nerd alert news. If that was the only podcast you were doing three times a week, you think you would have been able to sustain it, sustain it? Yes. But would it have been fun? One of the things I learned is solo podcasting. If you could do it, it's really rewarding. You can put a lot of content out there. It's not as fun because it's all on you then. Every bit of it is on you, unless you're hiring someone to do the editing and things after the fact. But like more what I mean by that is everything that goes on in the show. You don't have someone there that's going to bail you out if you lose your train of thought in the middle of something. You don't have someone there who's going to provide further background on something that they may know better than you unless you have them on as there as a guest. So it's a lot to do it by yourself. And it's not as fun. And I joke, and it says in my Twitter profile, I'm an extroverted introvert. I'm an engineer, traditionally introverted and things like that. But podcasting and things like that is where I extrovert a bit because, I don't know, maybe it's the fact that we're sitting across from each other with microphones over a long distance and things like that. We all get to know each other. Kind of gets you out of your shell a bit more. And I think I thrive a bit on that interaction with other folks. It's why All Things Good and Nerdy is still a podcast right now. And I think Stephen knows this was happening at one point in time. But prior to the pandemic, 
I was getting burnt out on it because I didn't feel like I was being creative and things like that. And I told Steven, I was like, look, I don't know if I'm going to keep going on this. I might just hand the reins over to these guys and be like, I just, I don't have passion for it anymore. And I guess if I have to say in my life, one of the only good things to come out of the coronavirus is that being locked down, it gave me that passion back again for that project in part because I focus on it, but also because working from home. I was in my house all the time unless I was going out to the grocery store and then I was anxious about it and things like that. That was my guaranteed time that I would get to interact with my friends and we would get to shoot shoot the S. I didn't want to curse there, but you, you know what I mean to use the colloquialism there. And that is something I needed and having that need fulfilled kind of made me passionate about the project again. And I want to say like, six months in the lockdown, I was like, man, what the, what would I have done if I had stopped doing this podcast right before lockdown happened? Because we'd started trailing down on some other projects we had going on, things like that. So I, it's really strange for me. I only have one active podcast at the moment that I'm doing on a weekly basis, which is really strange for me. At one point I was doing four and guest hosting regularly, which was part of my burnout problem. I don't know what I would have done. And it probably would not have been great for my mental health had I not done not been on the show through the pandemic. So I'm incredibly grateful for the fact that Willie and Anthony both wanted to keep doing it. There was no talk of shutting anything down during the pandemic. And that uh, presumably if they hear this, they won't be too upset about me at the thought that I was considering the idea of kind of letting it go. And the reason Steven's in the know on that is because he was my sounding board on it because Steven and I have podcasted together for, for years. Like I was a guest host on the fanboy buzz before I really got into these things. So I don't know if I remember if we talked about it much at all SP or if we were on some of the chats where I was talking about it with Steven, I think it was more, he was just kind of my sounding board because he understood because it was kind of the similar thing that happened with the fanboy buzz. I think where it was just, I need something new. And then I kind of came to the realization of, I don't need fully new. I just need to introduce new elements to it. And, I honestly think that show was very good for my mental health during the pandemic because it forced me or not forced me. It gave me an easy way to interact with my friends. I know one of the podcasts that fell off your plate back then was the Starling Tribune. I was the showrunner for lack of a better term there. We were co-hosts on that show. It was about Arrow on the CW network and the Arrowverse. So all the comic book shows that were there, like Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, the bat woman show at the mm-hmm. end covered a lot of it. Not all of it. Our main focus was on arrow and legends of tomorrow in the off season, but we decided to end it and it had nothing to do with the pandemic. We didn't even know the pandemic was coming back then. We decided to end it in February of 2020 because we were burned out on our coverage of arrow arrow had ended and we decided not to pivot to the rest of the Arrowverse at that point in time. We were very open and honest on our coverage after eight seasons of Arrow on why we decided to stop that show on our last episode. One of the reasons why was we wanted to go out on a highlight uh, was the crisis event, which was a crossover with everything. But we decided to end it because the passion wasn't there. We weren't into it anymore. A lot of people that were into it had left long before we decided to quit and we kept it going thinking this next year is going to be the end this next year is going to be the end i think we had that conversation four or five times on that show and we kept going and 
when it was time to end it, we were just grateful that we would be able to end it. I don't regret doing the show. I don't regret talking about it. It, it was some entertaining moments. We got some great things out of it. But after Crisis and after Arrow ended, it was time to end that show. So there is yep. a good time to end shows. I'm glad you found a way to reinvigorate your passion. And passion is the thing that runs all endeavors, even if it's a professional podcast. If your passion is gone, then it makes no, it's a grind. It's no longer fun to do. And you might let things slip through like you did with the last few episodes of Nerd Alert News. Yeah. I mean, I think you've heard me say this. I can't remember if I said it publicly on the Gonna Geek show or not. I feel like I might have, but it was probably in one of the post show elements. And this is not an indictment on SP or Michelle or Neil or any of the other great people that joined us on uh, Starling Tribune or the other TV podcast I did with Stephen, Steve Boyd and Stephen John Drew, which was about Walking Dead. I will never do another television show podcast again, not as a regular. And it's not because I don't like the show. I don't like the people I did it with. I learned about myself. I can't do those kind of shows. Because it doesn't let the TV show be fun for me anymore. It becomes a chore to watch. It was like, I got to watch it the first time and take some initial notes. And I'm going to go through and watch it a second time and make my in-depth notes about things. I'm going to compare it to a couple sources online that normally has similar opinions to me to see if we're kind of jiving with the same kind of thought and things like that. So it went from being, here's the show I enjoy watching once a week for an hour to, okay, I'm going to watch it at least twice. I'm going to spend time writing notes up on it. I'm going to spend time dissecting it. And when it's good, that's really great. But when it starts tapering off, it becomes more and more a chore for it. And then eventually it just became a chore in general. And it wasn't fun for me. And I know that was a problem for me at the Starling Tribune for a while. And I know I, I hope, and I think it came across that like the last season, I kind of got reinvigorated because we knew there was an end in sight because they said, hey, the show is actually ending at the end of season eight. Stephen and Amel had said something to that effect. And I knew the writing was on the wall that was like, look, I don't want to half do this. And it kind of re-motivated me, but like the walking dead podcast, for instance, part of why I stopped watching the walking dead and it's not all because of the show, but was because of podcasting about it was just like, I love talking to Steven and Steve about it. It was great. We did some really funny stuff to make some episodes come out where spoiler alert, all three of us weren't on the show at the same time, but it sounds like we were because how Steven edited it together. It was fascinating. It was a ton of fun to us. But I knew the end was coming for me when I was burnt out on watching The Walking Dead. And I've talked about this publicly. I know I'm going to geek and I know on ATGN. And there were episodes of The Walking Dead that I never watched that I did the podcast episode about. And I know my performance wasn't great, but I just, I would queue up the episode and like, I just don't care. I just don't care about this. And I don't want to be in that position again where my performance, if it was just me on the show and my performance was crap, that's fine. But these other guys, they cared more than I did. And my performance and not caring, it makes them look bad when I look bad, for lack of a better term. And they deserve better out of me. And that was one of the things I learned is this is why I can't do that. Because I don't want to be the weak link because I can't make myself watch the show anymore. And it's why also that show, I was thankful that we kind of hit a natural breaking point with it too, because it just doesn't work for me. And I know some people, they make their living off of doing like weekly recap shows and talking about things like that. Like I love guesting on a show like that. Like it's really fun when you have me guest on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's a one-off thing. 
or I'm on for a couple episodes or something like that, or I'm here to talk about a movie, but it's fresh and it's new. I'm not doing that every week. So I don't mind on occasion going back and rewatching something a couple of times, making notes because it's not always that way. And you kind of keep the joy of the show. I don't know if that's making sense or I'm just getting way too introspective on a Wednesday, Tuesday night. So the type of TV shows that we're talking about were in the era where you had 20 plus episodes per season. Right. And you really got bogged down in the ins and outs of the whole year of it. And then in the summer, you had some time off, but you could do speculation. You could do interviews and off-season stuff like that. But it was really a grind. With Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. now, it started as an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. commentary. So it began in that slog, and everybody was excited about that. The show made some pivots, and it was disassociated with the MCU for a while. There's arguments for and against. But now within the MCU, I don't have to worry about burnout because you're talking about Disney plus streaming shows that are six, eight episodes long. And then you go on to the next one and then the next movie and things are changing all the time. And the content of what you're focusing on is changing all the time. And even if you run into a, a series that is not your favorite, it only lasts a few weeks and then you get something more. So I've run into the bonus now with Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is Disney Plus and the movies out there, that's always something new. So I don't have to worry about getting slogged down in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. style show anymore. Agent Carter was out there at one point. Uh, the Runaways, I think it was streaming, but it lasted a little bit longer. Cloak and Dagger was the same way. So now it's it's really easy. And matter of fact, We've been complaining about it on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. about it being very formulaic of the episodes being the same style. It's a cookie cutter thing right now, and we're looking for some change here in the future because we think that uh, Marvel Studios has noticed and they're like, okay, we need to change things up now. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But at least with Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., one of the reasons that I can keep going with that is because of the change in subject matter that we cover from time to time. Right. In this new streaming age, you do have that because there's shorter seasons for the streaming stuff now. Then, yeah, I think that's fair. Where we were at at one point in time, and it's always great to have you on the show. I mean, and the worst thing was when you get a filler episode of Arrow, and you're just like, <sighs> "Oh my god, this is a terrible episode." Now we got to talk about it for 90 minutes. How the hell are we going to do this? <laughs> it's usually about you know one one room, two room set. I forget what they call it in the industry. It's a bottle yeah. episodes. I think that it's is like maybe, uh, what they call it. Maybe there'll be some cool fight scenes, and at least uh, James Bamford would generally pay off with some cool fight scenes for us, so that we'd at least have that to talk about in the in the week episode. <laughs> yeah, when you know the director that's coming on is going to be an action director, you know that something's going to happen. It's not going to just be about feelings for a whole right. hour or something like that. It's it, that can grind even even for people that like that sort of stuff. It grinds over sometimes. So. As we're wrapping up here, I know we have a couple of topics that we want to touch on. Chris, you rarely have a chance to talk about the podcast industry in of itself. And you have some observations that you wish to impart. Sure. We should also clarify the fact that while I've been podcasting for a decade plus, I have often not given much credence to our supposed industry experts and stuff like that because... I don't care. I just do my own thing, which is probably reflected in my viewer count and things like that. So bear in mind, this is opinions coming from someone who is not exactly the most well-connected or the most knowledgeable at everything that goes on out there. But 
One of the things I've noticed, and I've commented on this to both SP and Steven and Cody and a few other people in private chats, is it kind of boggles my mind to this day. Like the level of deference and emphasis on like OG podcasters, for instance, everyone's like, this is how things need to be. And I, I look at it and go, but it doesn't. And that's not to discount the things that they've done, but I think that podcasting's evolved a lot from the static one shot and all we see is one single shot the entire time. It's one dude talking. And occasionally you might have like an animated GIF or something that spins in the corner of the screen. In today's world, you've got a lot more complex setups. People have cool backdrops. They bring the chat up on screen. They do video transitions. Like SP's using StreamYard here and it's a free tool. And he can go between like double shots, single shots, things like that. That's where we are now. I mean, exactly. He just did it for those of you guys that are watching the video to put me on screen. I think you have to evolve. And I think one of the things I noticed there, and I touched on the top of the show, like huge twit fan this week in tech, Leo Laporte's network early on. I fell off the radar a lot. But one of the things I noticed is that the people that I really enjoyed on that network are the ones that were kind of pushing the envelope. They were doing different things that wanted to do more than just the regular panel show. They wanted to have a game night. They wanted to talk about specific things that kind of went off to go do their own things. We saw like the Diamond Club Forum. We saw Scott Johnson and the Frog Pants Network and things like that. They're all folks I met through Leo's network. And then they went off to go do their own things. It was kind of more my flavor because they would do different things and mix things up. And how do I put this? I think we always have to look at how things are evolving. And if you're keeping the same look and feel to things and you're not keeping an eye on what other people are out there doing, you're going to get left behind. And I'm not talking like you've got to copy their format, but you look at it and go, man, I've really got to do more than just use a Google Hangouts on air embedded in here where it does auto switching. And I just kind of have an overlay over it. And I'm not patting myself on the back here, but that's one of the things I've been proud of. And while we've gotten a little stale right now is how we've progressed the AV stuff that we've used in the ATGN show and go back and look what Steven's done on Gunna Geek through its entire run and on better podcasting and what SP is doing with the StreamYard tool for Legends of Shield and things like that is we've got ways to make this more dynamic, more interactive to make it both a pleasing audio experience when the audio is taken out, but also a pleasing visual experience when people are watching the video on YouTube or Twitch or whatever service you're putting it out under because there's tools out there to stream this in like 20 different places at one time. It's incredible to me. So I think one of the things I would say is just look and see what your peers and compatriots are doing. And I'm not saying crib what they're doing, but maybe take some inspiration and be like, oh man, that's a really good idea. How can I do something similar on my own show? Or how can I fold in something like that to evolve with them? Because people like to see cool new stuff and it may not work. You can always revert it back. And I found that a lot of cases, listeners and viewers, they'll tell you if it doesn't work and they're not going to dump you immediately. They're going to be like, hey, this isn't working for me. And you can backtrack. Or you find out when your viewer listener counts go down that it's not working. Let's change it back. Yeah. Another lesson I've learned, and I'm sure you guys have touched this up. The super magic mic that promises to solve all your problems, it doesn't exist. It doesn't. There's trade-offs to everything. You're going to have to dial things in, be it on your board or your Windows settings or whatever. You're not going to find the one magic mic you can plug in wherever you are in any room and it's going to work for you. There's trade-offs to everything. Indeed. And we talk about it quite a bit on that Better Podcasting main show, which there's hundreds of episodes there to go listen to. And finally, I kind of build this before we got together as an opportunity for you to give some behind the scenes dishing (laughs) on me. So I'm going to open up the floor here. We rarely do this on Better Podcasting, but 
you've been a co-host of mine on several different shows on Gunna Geek, Starling Tribune. We both produce Starling Tribune from time to time. We've done other collaborative things before. I've been on ATGN. You've been on uh, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. How is dealing with me in all of that? How is dealing with SP? I'm sure listeners want to know what's the true SP. That's a nightmare. SP is a tyrant. He never lets me do what I want. Is that what you all wanted to hear? <laughs> Thanks for the Ellen moment. I really appreciate it. I, I kid. Um, SP and Steven are two of the easiest podcasters I've ever worked with. And I don't mean that because they do all the work or anything like that, but it's because there's a give and take between whenever I'm doing a show with one or both of them. And I think that we have kind of found a good way to have that back and forth easily. And we've also gotten to the point where it's not all just on one person to do everything. So it's truly a collaborative effort when we work together, which is something I really enjoy. And I will say one of the reasons I started to burn out on the show I've been running for 10 years is because I was doing a bad job of delegating and asking them to help me with things. And it was burning me out. And I feel like we do a pretty good job of that. I feel like we're pretty open when there's a problem, things like that. I I don't have a problem with the way you guys run shows. It makes sense to me, maybe because we just like share a brain when it comes to a lot of these kind of things. I mean, listener, this, this isn't juicy dirt or anything for you. It really shouldn't surprise you. SP, Steven, and I wouldn't podcast together so much if we didn't get along and probably have similar mindsets on things. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun podcasting with you, and I look forward to the time that we can do it again. This show aside is because my one of my golden rules. So episode 50 of Better Podcasting, for those that might just be tuning in right now, I did a golden rules hobby podcasting, and one rule seems to be quoted out of the whole thing as, the golden rule for SB. It's not. It's like 15 different golden rules of hobby podcasting. But one rule is don't do more than two shows per week. And that was born from the time that I was doing up to seven different shows. I don't know how you did it. Well, the answer is very simple. And you said it just a couple of minutes ago. It was collaboration. There was no way that I could have been doing seven different podcasts on my own every week. It was all collaboration. I think I just edited one or two. No, I edited three out of that, but it was audio only. didn't have video component to it. It was a lot easier to do it then. And I think that's the, the rule is still true. You can't do more than two shows. A week. You can do more than two shows, but you cannot do more than two shows a week. And I would actually like to tap onto the end of that and say, if you're doing promotion properly, if you're doing that community engagement properly, really only one. But that might not satiate your creativity button, tickle your creativity bone in your body uh, if you just do one. So maybe you do need to do two if you're somebody that likes to do a lot of shows or talk about a lot of different subjects. But the key is no more than two because you go beyond that without the collaboration and things fall apart. If you don't have a VA, if if you're not paying for people to work behind you. If you don't have a social media coordinator that you're paying for, you need to do all of that in order for your show to be successful. It's part of Now, do you need that? No. There's no right or wrong in podcasting, but there are better practices. And this is one of the better practices is you need to focus. If you're a hobby podcaster, if you're doing it part-time, if you're working full-time or going to school full-time and just doing this in the evenings, you can't do more than two. And I think with 
Starling Tribune for one thing. Yeah, that that was it. And matter of fact, one of the things that made better podcasting possible was it was around the time that I was ending Voices of Defiance. So better podcasting took the place of Voices of Defiance. And if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have been able to do better podcasting, which sure. I loved Voices of Defiance. There would be no way that that show could have continued. The show that we were covering ended after three seasons, so it just made no sense to continue it. Could we have morphed it into a general science fiction podcast? Yes, but nobody, none of the hosts wanted to do that because of past experiences. And yeah, so I think one of the ways to be successful is, yeah, that golden rule sticks right there. And the community involvement, though, was one of the reasons that I was able to do it, but it was not sustainable for a long, long, long time. I think one of the problems was that Arrow lasted way too long. I'm, again, I'm glad it ended yeah. the way it did. The new showrunner came in, Beth Schwartz, made it possible for us to enjoy the show again. We had the big crisis event, which was epic in terms of television history, really. And yeah, I'm just, I'm glad we did that, but it was time for it to go. I'm glad we had divided up the responsibilities on that one because for a little behind the curtain stuff there, folks probably didn't know is that Michelle would generally assemble the show notes and pull the news items out. We would kind of tweak and add to it. SP would do the audio production after the fact. He'd drop the bumps and then I was doing the live streaming and the video modifications and stuff. And I'll be honest, it was lightly edited because generally most of the stuff that was in the video, it was kind of a fun gag for YouTube if we had a little hiccup or something. And I don't think our viewer count was quite there to spend hours editing the video version of the podcast if it wasn't going out in the audio. So it was lightly edited, but we split up the responsibilities of who was doing what. It kind of made it easier, I guess, for all three of us involved. And we'd also, prior to Michelle being on there, we'd kind of split up and Neil had done a lot of the show notes stuff when Neil was on the show. So that's kind of how we'd always run that show was splitting things up. So it wasn't all on one person's plate and then it was everyone else just coming in be like okay i'm ready to talk for an hour and then i don't do anything else for the rest of the week on the show yeah it's the only way that i know that we can do that well is there anything else that you want to tell hobby podcasters before we call it quits for the night yeah i guess i'll just leave it at this when it comes to wrapping up my thoughts on hobby podcasting in 10 years of doing it if you're not having fun figure out why and see if you can correct it. Because when you stop having fun, believe me, it's happened to me, and you've probably noticed it. Listeners notice. Listeners disengage because they can tell the hosts aren't really enjoying themselves or doing it just out of obligation. And if it's a hobby, you should be having fun. And if you're not having fun, figure out why and fix it. Or and if you can't fix it, I mean, I guess this is the other thing I learned in that regard. Don't be afraid to be like, okay, I can't fix this either i'm going to talk to my co-host we're going to figure out what we can do or just put a pin in it like i said i touched on it here one of the best things i did was stop doing that solo podcast i wish i had ended it better and done like an official goodbye and stuff like that but at the time i was just too burnt out and it didn't even think of it by the time i thought about it it was six months later and i was like nobody's gonna want a single goodbye episode six months later and i just left it at some tweets yeah i i'll admit i did the same thing with Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition, which was the comic book only version of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I, I just never had time to do it eventually, and it just fell off. And, and poor Black Adam 
he got on me for months and months and he sent me a few segments and I never could get it out. And I apologize for him. I'm like, look, if I can't get it out this week, then I'm going to have to fold the show. I couldn't get it out. I'm like, I'm sorry, Adam, I have to fold the show. And there was never a goodbye episode. It's Mm -hmm. still out there. It's still available. I can still return to it someday, but it's not going to be the same show. Simply, even if everybody involved comes back, it's not going to be the same show because it's, spend so much time in between yeah i mean we're obvious don't be afraid to pull the trigger and say no nah, I, c- I can't do it anymore and at the same time if you're enjoying something maybe this is contrary to what podcasting wisdom is if you're having fun with it and your viewer count is low who cares you're a hobbyist you're doing it for fun and maybe that's counterintuitive but i'll be honest the viewer count for all things good and nerdy is nowhere near what it used to be four years ago but it's fun again right now So I keep doing it because I have fun. And if I can have other people still have fun consuming that show, I'm okay with it. So if you're a hobbyist, it all comes down to have fun doing it. Because if you stop having fun, why is it your hobby? Man, you could record episode one with us again. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Chris, for coming on the show. Where can our audience find you? Oh, so the easiest way to find me is you can go to Twitter, go to at the Chris Farrell, and that's spelled like the comedian, F-E-R-R-E-L-L. And I do believe I still, yes, I still own chrisferrell.net, which directs to a site that just points you to all my different social medias if you want to get a hold of me. And uh, like I mentioned throughout the show, you heard me name drop multiple times. I do record every Sunday, which that time might be changing. We haven't officially announced that yet, but so here's some inside baseball or behind the scenes stuff. You record the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast live. But we are potentially shifting up the schedule because of uh, one of our co-hosts got a new job. It's going to require him to work Sundays. So stay tuned to the socials if you want to watch that and see when we're going to be doing it. And I mentioned SP in the pre-show. I do have another project I'm kind of kicking around doing, but I'm not going to start it until I have it at a starting point that's ready. But I'm, how do I describe this? I've got that itch and I'm real excited. So I'm kind of thinking it's going to happen. but. Uh, who knows well here, here's your tease if you like pro wrestling and you like my dumb pro wrestling hot takes you see on twitter and my saying positive things about it in general keep your eyes and ears open i'm kind of considering something i would say and i didn't think about it until right now but i would say if you're thinking about a podcast and you haven't done one before maybe if you had done one before one of the things that i've heard with tattoos that you should have it drawn up, you should take a look at it, you should put it in a drawer, and then months later, you should take it out, and if you still want that tattoo, then go ahead and do it. I've heard up to a year. And with a I podcast, thought you were going to tell me to tattoo the podcast name on me and then do it, because I, if you've got it on your arm, you're not going to stop. <laughs> arm? It's a stamp tramp with you. Well, at least it's not on my forehead. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's plenty of free space on the Chrome Dome here. We could put it anywhere. But I think the same thing happens with podcasts. If you have a great idea, then if you're working through the technical things first, yeah, that's great. That'll give you some time to think if you really want to do this. But it is a commitment. However long that you go, you know, some are just short. Like if you're doing a D&D podcast, that's like a playthrough, right? So you you come up with this is the campaign that we're going to do. It's going to be 10 episodes, 10 nights, whatever. And that's going to be the podcast with an audio drama, kind of the same thing with the season. With a podcast like we're talking about, with like a geek variety show, with a TV review show, something like this, something that we've done, 
it is a commitment. So make sure that you're ready for that. Right. And I'm still on that sitting on the idea and letting it stew. I've been thinking about it for about four or five months now. So I'm still not quite ready to commit fully and say I'm going to do it. I'm at the point where I'm putting pen to paper, researching domain names I might want, trying to roughly sketch logos to kind of bank upon some of my friends who have talent. Like, hey, can you make this for me? But like I said, it's one of those things. And, and maybe it's because I don't know what to do with myself because I'm so used to doing multiple podcasts and I'm down to just one regular one a week while we're on hiatus on another one. Maybe I feel like I have time. Who knows? Yes. Who knows? Who knows? It's the wild west out there. Just what the world needs is me doing another podcast though, right? World needs more Chris. Well, thank yeah. you again very much for joining me tonight, Chris. And thanks for sticking with Chris and I until the end. If you like content like this, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the video. If you're over on the video side of things, Stephen and I would greatly appreciate it. Now, next week, Chris doesn't know this yet, but I plan to stream and chat with a longtime podcaster and freelancer, Amos, a.k.a. Ethan Kane, a.k.a. Anthony Lemos. Now, Amos has a long-time live stream podcast called Ritual Misery with his Air Force service friend, and he's also had a podcast about podcasting called Undaunted, and now in Air Force retirement, he is a professional freelancer to boot in addition to loving all things photography. Hint, if you have any questions about vlogging or podcasting camera gear, Amos would love to answer them. The reason I said that Chris might be interested in is he is the producer for Jury. So that is a podcaster that Chris is following quite heavily. So please join Amos and myself Tuesday on Better Podcasting YouTube channel at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. If you want us to ask any questions live to us, and we'll see you then. Bye.